Um, you know, people are more than this pregnancy. People are much, way more complex. And, um, and so one of the things that we, we tell our clients, one of the things that they should tell our patients is, you know, that this is, this is a decision that affects a lifetime. Caring for Both, a curbside consult series by the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, where medical professionals answer your questions about what it means to provide evidence-based, life-affirming health care to both pregnant women and their preborn children. We know that every day in your practice and on your rotations, you face clinical situations that are challenging. We've all called a curbside consult when we need a quick second opinion on the best course of action for our patient. This podcast series is meant to serve as a curbside consult for you as you face ethically challenging patient care scenarios. Hear from experts on how they approach these situations and tips for how to think through them. Because we know that your lives are busy, we keep each episode short enough for you to listen to on your work commute so you have the support and information you need when you need it. We upload new episodes every Thursday. I'm your host for today, Miriam Diallo. This is part two of a two-part interview with Dr. Susan Bain and Kristen Eckenweiler, Medical Director and Client Services Director of Choices Women's Clinic in North Carolina. They are here to offer insights about how pro-life medical professionals can counsel patients who are considering abortion. Dr. Bain, let's pick up where we left off. You have a conscientious objection to performing, referring for, or recommending abortion, but you also have a commitment to providing unbiased, evidence-based information to your patients. How do you navigate abortion conversations with both of these considerations in mind? What a great question. Lots of layers there. So, you know, um, I recently had the uh, privilege of listening to Dr. Ashley Fernandez at the National MBEC Conference, which is APLOG's national conference. Dr. Uh, Fernandez is a pediatrician at The Ohio State University, and he had an incredible slide um, about the rules or foundations of conscious care. And he said three things. He said, never reject a person, sometimes reject a practice, and always provide alternatives, even if that is simply your presence. And that just hit me so true that, um, you know, as Kristen has spoken a lot about in our first part of this, we don't ever reject a person. We love people unconditionally, whether or not they choose to um, give birth and parent, choose to give birth and um, be part of a team of placing their child, which would for someone else to raise, which would be adoption, or they give permission to a healthcare practitioner to, the, to end the life of their very own child. We, we don't judge them at all for that decision. Now, as an OBGYN physician, I'm caring for two patients, and I have an ethical obligation to both those patients, to wholeness for both of those patients. And so I'm going to give her a fully informed consent with risk, benefits, and alternatives for her three choices. And at, for years, I would say to them, and and I hope you can make the choice that's best for you. And then to be honest, it started feeling yucky when I said that because it's never best to end the life of another human being directly and intentionally, particularly your own child. 
and the literature doesn't support, it's good for the the woman or her husband. You know, we know that there are physical and mental risks to abortion. And so I actually have been changing this to, and I hope you can choose life for your child, kind of like Kristen said, that we we want to walk alongside them regardless of their choice, but particularly if they do choose adoption or parenting, we have resources we can connect them with. Um, and so I think that's how I navigate it is recognizing that um, I have a conscience and so does my patient have a conscience and we're partnering together trying to journey forward to wholeness. Thank you so much, Dr. Bing. Kristen, how about your side of the of, of this conversation and speaking with your clinic's patients, how do you navigate your interest in um, both offering them compassionate care and counseling and also remaining honest about your position on abortion? You know, I think that everybody is looking for some some sort of truth, some sort of boundary. I think it goes back to the old adage, just don't tell me what you think I need to hear. And, uh, you know, people appreciate truth. And so I can... I can stand in my truth and and still be loving and compassionate and empathetic and all those things and and so while I you know I say I don't think that abortion is the is the answer you know the I believe in it and I tell them up front you know I, I'm a I'm a woman of faith I believe that God is the author of all life and all death that's where I'm coming from and and while I can do that I can stand in non-judgment of you. I've made my own mistakes, my own, my own sins, my own, uh, challenges. I've, I've, I've learned a lot. And so, um, what I can tell you is that, you know, I just don't, maybe this, my favorite line is maybe this baby isn't happening to you, but maybe this baby is happening for you. And, and people can't see that it's just a different perspective. And while I do that, I, I still honor, you know, what their challenges are. I ask them to to think about it, to ponder it, to make a decision without, um, you know, without a lot of emotion. Emotion, you know, brings regret. We've all made decisions with emotion. And so we, we just try to get them to get to a place of calm. And I'm not their mother. I'm not their mother. I'm not their judge, jury. I'm not any of those things. And I, and I try, and I try honestly throughout our whole conversation and train women to do this. You know, we're just, I, gosh, I hear you. I want you to feel heard. I want you to feel safe. That is challenging. I can see how hard that would be. You know, if I, if I could, you know, if I could change this for you, would you, would you be open to that? You know, I, I give uh, my own, my own story of, of being, um, in an unplanned pregnancy and, uh, and how my son is the best thing that ever happened to me. And, uh, and so there, I think there's wisdom in sharing some of our stories with these women who are on one side of the fear and, 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 you know, with some of us that are on the other side of it. And so I don't have a problem and I never have. I think that we're all individuals. We all have our own journey and we all have to answer for the choices that we make and don't make. And, and they're all learning moments and, uh, and so above anything, above my own desire for them is my love for them as fellow human beings and women that are afraid and, and need compassion. What are some major challenges you both face serving abortion-minded patients? Hmm. Okay, so I'm going to think about, um, okay, so the American College of OBGYN, 
is a challenge. <laughs> and I'm just going to put that right out there. They have, for as long as can be, been a medical organization that has led the way in women's health care. They actually have um, an issue brief to practitioners, and they also have on their patient portal information warning against us. And it just, it, it saddens me because if they could walk in our doors and come into that exam room and see how we care for them, they wouldn't tell women to avoid us and, and say the things that they say about us. I think that's one big challenge for me. The second I would say is online chemical abortions. That has, um, that scares the heck out of me as a doctor because I want women to be empowered with information and those pushing for chemical abortion online, self-managed chemical abortions, are removing the doctor-patient relationship and that ethical obligation of an informed consent and risking women's lives. Um, and, you know, women need an ultrasound to confirm they, A, do not have an ectopic pregnancy because that is uh, medication abortion is not those drugs are not indicated for an ectopic. And second, it's only indicated for up to 70 days or 10 weeks. So, you know, about 40, 50% of women don't really have their last menstrual period accurately um, picked out. And so they may think that they're eight weeks and they're really 14 weeks. And that really increases the risk for hemorrhage um, and complication. And so, I'm, I'm, I'm going to answer that question from those perspectives and let Kristen answer um, how she might. The medical challenges that, she, that Dr. Bain brings up become our challenges as well. We deal with, uh, I mean, we've had them right here in our clinic where women have thought they were, oh, I can't be but eight weeks. And then we put them on the ultrasound table and they're 30 weeks. I mean, it's crazy. They just don't know. And, um, you know, one of the challenges, the biggest challenges, um, non-medical wise, is just the lack of information that's out there and the lack of, of, um, factual information these women get. They're just, you know, they're in mediocre healthcare or they're using abortion as, as birth control. They, they believe it's a blob. They don't believe in any other narrative. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's the hardest, one of the hardest things that we face is, is, um, is, is talking to them with truth and kind of empowering them with truth. And then at the same time, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a coin where you, you can have both sides. They both exist because at the same time, you know, we, we get to, we get to empower them with truth. And so, you know, that, that, that is a good thing. It's a good thing. I would say, you know, just battling years and years and, and the false narrative that remains of them understanding that, um, you know, that this isn't, there's nothing wrong with this and that it's my body, my choice. And, um, and we just, we, we shout that from the rooftops. We, we bump into it with the fathers of the babies who have no legal rights, no legal say, you know, and, and, and they are just doing again, you know, if, I'm telling you, 90% of the women that come into to centers like ours, if the father of the baby said, we've got this, we can do this. I mean, her whole world would change. Her whole, you know, her whole decisive patterns and, and trajectory would change. 
and but we've just trained them so st- so well at it's her body her choice but look it's his baby too you know and so we we try to kind of counter some of that with with truth and um and and so that i would say those are some of the biggest things that that um that we are challenged with is is the misnomers and the lies that they walk in here with Given all the things you've just said about the challenges and, and things that you face, um, what tips might you have for medical professionals who are speaking with abortion-minded patients uh, in a private practice setting, such as a hospital? How would they, how should they navigate that kind of conversation? Well, the first thing I would say to them is they have to ask themselves, what's medicine for? And if And there is never a place in medicine for the direct and intentional killing of another human being. And sadly, that's the purpose of an abortion, to produce a dead baby. So I think they have to philosophically decide for themselves where do they fall um, on the abortion debate. And then different people are going to have a different comfort level. I think if they always remember we're here. You know, in our local community, um, there is a pregnancy center and there are over, you know, about 3,000 across the United States. And so always remembering that they have a place that they can refer and that they, um, whether they refer to us for medical reasons or for client service reasons, um, whether a woman comes into the emergency department after an abortion and let's say she's bleeding and she needs a post-op visit, okay? And it it's not going to be with the person who did the abortion because that's a major gap. Sadly, they often, they abandon their patients afterwards. So, um, you know, if she needs follow-up, you know, I know the doctor who maybe did the DNC, if she comes in with a complication um, after an abortion, um, would follow up with her. But you know, Kristen spoke about that we have pushed abortion services and counseling. And so I think just remembering we're here is a really good place to start and remembering what you think medicine is for. Um, you know, people are more than this pregnancy. People are way more complex. And um, and so one of the things that we, we tell our clients, one of the things that they should tell their patients is, you know, that this is, this is a decision that affects a lifetime. And it doesn't, no matter what decision you make, whether you carry this child to term or you abort this child, it doesn't stop the fact, it doesn't change the fact that in this moment you are pregnant. In this moment, there's life inside of you. And that, and so, you know, I think as, as Dr. Susan Bain has said so perfectly, and she is, uh, one of my heroes in this because it is true. I mean, this is an ending of a life. And, and, um, and we just, if you don't want to get involved in that, then send them to us. We want them to come here. We've been trained to talk to them uh, from a holistic approach that we are, it's just more than this medical moment. It's, it's, it embodies this person, mind, body, and soul. And we want to speak to that. And one last question for both of you. Uh, Why do you feel that it's important for medical professionals to get involved in their local pregnancy resource center? So why get involved? Well, first of all, we need you. Um, You know, our model is such that our medical directors are often um, uh, a little bit not, not in the clinic as much. I have a unique situation um, in which I was able to transition from like just reading the ultrasounds and overseeing policies and procedures 
to actually being in the clinic three days a week and actually seeing patients. And I think that just raises that level of competency that we were talking about from the medical side of it. But it also just gives you insight. I I was in practice for nine years in a private practice. We were the pro-life group in town. And so everybody who walked in our doors, for the most part, had made the decision to carry. Now, every patient I see almost is abortion-minded or abortion-vulnerable. And it has been so rewarding to journey with those women and walk beside them and empower them with information. And, you know, I had no idea that this could be like the way I practiced medicine. And um, it's a tremendously rewarding part of healthcare. And so I would just encourage any of your listeners, whether they're, you know, medical students or residents, come try to do come try maybe to do a rotation even with us, some of your clinical experience and see about it. But those folks that are my age, I'm 58, you know, I've delivered lots and helped women deliver lots and lots of babies, um, not ready to retire, but kind of looking for maybe a better night's sleep. Um, uh, think about serving your um, community this way and continuing your, your healthcare profession Um in a pregnancy center, man, you'll, you will love it. You know, I think that we're always looking for ways to counter, again, I keep going back to the narrative of this world, of this, of this country. And, um, and while my heart is pure and, uh, and, and my education and training is great, the medical side of things brings a credibility that helps us counter the lies that this world is telling these women. And so if you want to go to a medical clinic, well, we, you know, we're not a fake clinic. We have a real doctor and we have real science and real machines and real technology. And, and so I think that it brings some credibility that some people are, are looking for. And it, on the flip side of that, you know, they still discredit us, but we are real and we have truth and we're, we're backing it up with both medical and trained um, personnel that are here for more than just uh, this one medical moment. And I think that, uh, I think Dr. Bain brings a sense of humility to her profession, uh, just in that it's not just about delivering babies and in, in being the one that's in charge, but it's in kind of laying that down and empowering people to make decisions based on facts and, and, and information and information is power. Information has always been power. And so, um, you know, we, we, we want to come alongside women in a way that gives us the best credibility and them the best chance to get that information. And so I think that that's key to have medical people kind of tuned into both the the support and and the survival of, of centers like ours to do that for these women. Dr. Bain and Kristen, thank you so much for being here today. And thank you so much to all of our listeners for joining us. If you have any topic requests, you can direct message us on the social media pages linked in the description of this episode. You can also email us at info at aaplog.org. And if you're a medical professional interested in joining this community as a member, you can do so by going to aaplog.org slash join. We will see you next week.